everybody, welcome to another episode of Football Asides. On today's pod, Fulham are back in the Premier League. The Newcastle takeover is no more. Zlatan still got it. Immobile has a golden shoe. Llorente has a dog. And the Canadian Premier League has a plan to reopen. Joining me today is my co-host Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Full schedule today. We're, I'm excited to talk about uh, the different going-ons in football today. Have you been a house summer in Canada? Doing well. I have a, a nasty sunburn. I went on a 14-hour hike the other day and totally forgot my sunscreen glow. It's That's bad. called moving in. That's, I'm sorry, it's not a hike. <laughs> Just moving <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it was great though. How Sound Crest Trail. If anyone's in the Vancouver area, definitely recommend it. It was incredible. But... Just finished the Brentford Fulham match. Also incredible. Fulham back in. Spoiler alert if you've got it on record. How was it? I only was I was only able to catch the last two minutes, so really not much of the game. But how do you find it? Yeah, you know, amidst chasing a four-year-old around the house, I mean, uh, typical kind of final in the sense of both teams, of course, as the game goes on, are nervous to concede the goal. But uh it was a great game, you know, ended up going to extra time, two late goals. Joe Bryan, um, if you get a chance to see the highlights if it, or if people watch the, the, the game itself, uh, you know, you feel hard, dumb, you feel bad for the Brentford goalkeeper, but just a smart heads-up play goal. The first goal was, was um, you know, Joe Bryan's free kick, and you kind of, you can see the goalkeeper cheating, thinking he's going to cross it in the box glow. Instead, he hits it near post, hey? So just surprises the goalkeeper, 1-0. And then, of course, uh, you know, of course, Brentford had to push. So Fulham get the late uh, the late 2-0 goal there. But Brentford brought it back, 2-1, late in the match. But it, just, it was just too late, you know, the, they ran out of time. But it was a, definitely a fun match. Uh, great to watch. Great to watch a nice uh, playoff there. Were there any players that particularly impressed you from the from the two teams like who should we be i know fulham still got mitchell yes, and yes. hopefully they're not going to be as garbage as, the, as they were when they were in the prem last season yes but <laughs> yeah who are we looking at no it's for? a good question you know and I'm, I'm calling it right now glow so i was messaging with a couple of my mates uh saying i was doing my early fpl research right oh my god and- it's so soon <laughs> <laughs> and Honestly, we're all going to have Mitrovic in our teams at some point next season. I mean, he was a bit injured today. He came off the bench, so he didn't look like much today. But it was impressive. He scored, what was it, 28 goals? He got the golden boot in the championship this year. And, uh, you know, credit to him. Credit to him. And I think I think he's going to be the guy that we're all going to consider next season. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So I was reading well, – but it's interesting that you say that because I was reading this brief start to, like – I confess I've not I confess I've not watched much Fulham this season, but what I saw from their stats, it seems that from the times when Metro was out, they were actually winning and they seem to be doing better without him. But obviously oh, that doesn't tell the entire story. And he is the golden boot winner in the championship, so he still yes. got goals in him. My apologies, 26 goals, but it was an interesting side story. Uh, obviously, Mitrovic with 26 and Ollie Watkins with 25 goals, and he was playing for he's playing for Brentford. So uh, it was interesting to see them line up against each other. But um, honestly, I think if you're a Brentford fan, our hearts go out to you, the collective football world, because I think Glow like right before 
COVID and all that, they were the informed team. They were in an automatic mm-hmm. promotion spot and they just uh, lost some form there and finished in the playoff position. So uh, it must be just heartbreaking for them. They, they really did taste it. You know, they were close. They finished third by two points. Yeah, for my understanding, again, I've not watched much Brentford closely, but it seems like, like this is a really good team, one of the best they've had in a while. And the worry was that if they didn't get promoted, they will be a lot of their good players will be picked yeah, off. I think and, you could see it. Yeah. Yeah, and they're to. I think they're moving to a new stadium as well. Yes, they played their last match in. Uh, in their old park there. So they have a new ground, exciting times for their club. And I obviously, you know, promotion to the, to the Premier League would have been the icing on the cake, but, but it's too bad. Good for Scott Parker though. He took over from Claudio Ranieri when they went down mm-hmm. and uh, credit to him. I mean, suddenly, suddenly the APL is replete with some young, exciting managers glow. Yeah, that's very, very exciting. So when you see um, all these players, right? Like, uh, although obviously all the vultures are now circling probably oh, sure. like a Premier League team. What players do you have an inkling on what players on Brentford will be going? Yes, I think uh, honestly they're going to lose Ollie Watkins, let's be honest. You know, second second top scorer in the league by one goal after Mitrovic, who's a bit of a proven commodity. I mean, he's done it in the Premier League as well. So you could see it, hey, them losing Watkins. Uh, don't know too many of the other players, but uh, that's the first name that I think of. Yeah, how about yourself? Do you have any idea? I'm not too familiar, but I will take you what for it. So as I've mentioned, uh, my knowledge of the I haven't really watched any extended yeah. highlights of the players, but um, the championship is always an exciting time, and I'm actually it making it a point this upcoming season to pay more attention and then just at the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's 24 years old. Tons of career left ahead of him. You could see someone taking a punt, couldn't you? Yeah, and uh, well, our hearts go out to the Brentford fans and the team. I'm sure uh, hopefully next season will be the one. Yeah, I think so. I hope and, you so know, for they, them. At least they got a new ground coming, so that will be exciting. Well, except the fact the fans can't go there. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. That too. That too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, um, so... On that, what I also have been noting is the Newcastle takeover, which has gone down in flames. Huge news, yep. Yeah, so it's official as of now. I think it's been 16 weeks-ish since they started the discussions. And by they, I mean the group that wanted to take over Newcastle from uh, Mike Ashley's 13-year reign. So they're made of like uh, PCP, which is Amanda Stavely's own venture capital firm. And then the Rubin family, uh, as but the main investor would be the Saudi private investment fund. And I think the initial plan had been to invest about two hundred fifty million into the club, and then fight, and a lot more down the line into mm-hmm. the city, the region, yes, into the, the, inf- the community. Inf- indeed, yeah. Yeah. So I guess they just announced this week that they've withdrawn their offer before the the Premier League could hand them a decision. Uh, they were still doing the owners like backgrounds and those fit and proper tests. I don't know. What do you make of this? There's obviously been a lot of news circulating on this. Oh, huge. 
I mean, I right away messaged a you know, friend of the pod, previous guest, uh, Josh Selchuk there, and you know he was sharing with me some of the sentiments of the of the wider Newcastle fan base, some of the sentiments from different people in in organization there, and I mean they're just gutted, aren't they? And um, it was interesting though. One of the greatest losses that he commented on was exactly what you were saying: the money in the community. Uh, you know, the, the Northeast traditionally, as he was saying, is an area that doesn't always get the attention that uh, regions, of course, closer to London and whatnot receive. So to you bring are, that... You are familiar. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar. I mean, Sunderland fan here, of course, right? So although I have never been, I certainly have been privy to these these cultural dynamics, you know, the South, the North, all this, right? So I think that that was one of the biggest losses that fans were commenting on that, you know, the, the, the community investment uh, won't happen as much as they were hoping. Yeah. And I, one of the understandings, uh, one of the reasons why this takeover obviously has been in the news more than most, it's been, hasn't been going quietly, it's been widely opposed, is obviously the Saudi uh, private investment fund uh, the worry it doesn't have, you know, a stellar human rights record. And it was that as well as the TV rights of the pirating of being sports rights in Saudi Arabia that mm-hmm. were being uh, proposed that the two main pillars of opposition towards this takeover. Mm-hmm. As of someone who is in closer contact with uh, the team, uh, Newcastle fans, how... I don't know, what was their reaction to what's being potentially owned by a state? I mean, I think at the end of the day, they were ecstatic, weren't they? Uh, you know, once the dust settles and you have players in place and you have money coming in and you're winning matches, I think everyone's going to they're gonna be ecstatic about seeing their club become maybe one of the annual big teams, big, you know, big, big clubs in, in the country. Right. So again, I'm just, I, I, my sentiments align just closely with my friend and, and listening to what he's been sharing. And I think he put it well, he's like, you know, all the discussion and whatnot pre investment from, from uh, this ownership group, you know, that'll happen. But once the matches were being played, he, he kind of predicted that, all the fans, you know, will, will turn up in numbers. Everyone will be ecstatic about where the club was going, right? So, um, likening it to maybe the Man City situation and how the discussions don't always happen anymore. You don't always hear a lot of criticism about where their money's coming from. Should Instead we of- be having these discussions, looking at these critically, or is it? I mean, given the Man City situation, is it too much to ask of fans? For instance. I don't know. There seems there's a lot more nuance, even though if you looked at the social media, this is uh, mm-hmm. a black and white issue. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes down to my my own personal politics, my own personal you know values. Of course, we should be discussing these things. Absolutely. I mean, although I love this game and I love I love what it does, you know, the international aspect to it and the tremendous joy it's given me in my life. I mean, it doesn't trump. It doesn't trump. Uh, individuals and it doesn't trump you know human rights and these types of conversations so i think it's an important conversation to have for sure how about yourself i mean this is huge yeah i i similarly agree i 
but I also I agree that there's definitely a moral line and just because like Man City and and PSGs exist it does not make the ownership by a state and especially a state like Saudi Arabia any better it's like yes that's bad too however I also recognize that uh, specifically in the case of the Saudi Arabia that the PIF owns so many things and it, it does own so many things, and in many ways, our entire existence is hypocritical. I know they're part owners in Uber, so like in many ways, anytime you use Uber, you oh, are supporting. Too, eh? oh yeah, you're supporting PAF, so they are like very spread out. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that we should have more of these conversations, but I also recognize the fans' plight to have an owner like Ashley, who's all but as- asset stripped to their club. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did he receive? Something like 17 million British pound non-refundable deposit or something like that after this whole thing went down? Yeah, usually <laughs> they could, uh, you could, they could get the refund back if the decision, what it, when a decision was made, but just because they took the decision out of the hands of the Prem, then they forfeited uh, 17 wow. million Wow. Boy, would I like to have a 17 million dollar <laughs> deposit. Hey, like... <sighs> Oh my gosh, that's that's got to be salt in the wounds of uh, of the fans right there. Yeah, I did hear a fun, um, almost uh, conspiracy theory that, um, I mean, part of the ownership's claims, uh, the potential new owners' claims uh, by why this deal did not go through, was the interference of third parties. And mm-hmm. I heard this too. Uh, yes. Yeah, and it was like this worry that like neighboring club, like clubs and competitors like Liverpool and Spurs, were like especially lobbying against this takeover because all that money would um, really increase like the mm-hmm. competition. But I don't know. What do you make of that? Do you think there is any truth to that mm-hmm. or? I mean, obviously, we both don't live in England, and it, it'd be fascinating to to bring someone on who can kind of speak to that dynamic, living right there in the thick of it. And uh, but that's what I'm hearing too. Like, you know, the big six, the the big clubs of England have a lot of clout. They have a lot of push in regards to how the league is is run, is structured. Uh, at least that's what we're hearing. And so perhaps they have more power than the average person knows. Who knows, right? Like. If they didn't want this takeover to occur, you know, overnight almost, we saw Man City suddenly become one of the big six. They, you know, previously they were never really in the top, top echelon of of the league, you know, year upon year, but now they certainly are. So perhaps they didn't want to see that happen again. Perhaps, you know, it's hard to say, but uh, I think there's something to it. Yeah, there's, this is definitely a discussion to deep, the future of football, the new ownership, what it means that we are sure to pick up at a later time with uh, more guests and more informed people. But now, a moment for Zlatan. I know, he's been doing great things. <laughs> Glow, I, I full disclosure, huge fan of Zlatan. Uh, how about yourself? I mean, do you, after he came to Man United, did everyone become a fan of his? I'm lukewarm. <laughs> I'm lukewarm. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, whelmed. <laughs> I like Zlatan. I'm whelmed. Yeah, Zlatan is sort of a Sergio Ramos figure in my yes. head, where like I'm absolutely fascinated by what they do, as long as they're not at my club. Okay, for sure. So, 
I think partly why I have I feel like I have such an affinity to him is because um, he was a big part of my fandom entry into football. You know, I grew up playing the sport, but I didn't have TV. I didn't really watch it. I often say I didn't become a fan until I actually moved to Sweden uh, after high school briefly. And so in that time, of course, Latin was was massive for the country, right? So watching him play with local Swedes and starting to learn more about the game. He was a big part of that for me. So following him ever since, it's always been a lot of fun. And um, anyhow, but I mean, at the end of the day, the stats do speak for themselves, despite his antics, despite his tweets, whatever you want to say about him. So he comes in to AC Milan. They're in 12th, right? I mean, this is the iconic AC Milan. This is a huge club. And they finish in sixth. So he basically halves their position. Um, I mean, the, the stats are incredible. So in 18 starts, he finishes with 10 goals and five assists. He becomes the oldest player in Serie A history to score double digits. Wow, um, that's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Since he entered the team, since COVID, uh, since the lockdown, Milan were the, the, the highest scoring team in Europe's top five leagues. And um, I mean, it's, it's, they were only second after Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid finished with 31 points since the lockdown and Milan with 30 points. So um, it's pretty impressive what happened since they brought him in. That is so impressive. I mean, for a 70-year-old man, and you know, yeah, <laughs> his old age has never looked so good. Right? And I'm sure behind the scenes, who knows, maybe Stefano Pioli, the, the manager for AC Milan, is giving him a little, uh, maybe he's making him dinner or something on the side for single-handedly holding on to, to his job. I don't know. Yeah. You can see something like that happening. I, 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 truly, I truly thought um, his job was gone like, oh, for pretty sure. early. And I think he has made, uh, the at least the second half of his season, has mm-hmm. made it a point that's going to challenge the Milan owners if they want to fire him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, before they had Ibra, they were at a 36% win ratio. After he comes into the club, 66% win ratio. You know, the points per game doubled from 1.4 to 2.2. It's impressive. You know, it's really impressive. They only lost two matches since they got him in. So, unfortunately, they just finished out of Champions League position. It would have been fun to see see Ibra in the Champions League again, but uh, they are in the Europa League qualifying position. So, you know, we could very well see AC Milan fight for the Europa League next year. We'll see. Well, I'm definitely going to be paying more attention to the Milan clubs now that they're no longer just pure garbage. Of course. Well, <laughs> even if and even if you or other fans are not paying attention, I mean, Zlatan will find a way to make everyone pay attention to him. Oh, yeah. I always know what's happening with Zlatan, <laughs> not necessarily the team, because... Yes. Or maybe the team is Zlatan. Is Zlatan the team? Are they one and oh, the I same? Know. I don't know. I know. So, like, I get it. I know people, it, it's divisive, but at the end of the day, I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, someone who has, obviously, a, a big role to play at his club, and he's going to be 39 if he stays another year. It, it's impressive. You know, I wonder what I'll be doing at 39. My gosh. Uh, Immobile is just definitely not an old man, but definitely banging in the goals. So Incredible. it's been, he's had quite, quite the season. He is the, uh, he's Lazio's main man. And not only, and not only has he been the top scorer, he is Europe's top scorer. So he's taking home the European golden shoe this season. And he's scored, um, he's scored about, 
36 goals. I want to verify. Yep, it's 36 goals. Incredible. Uh, this season alone, and uh, which is equal to... Uh, what is it? What is his name? Napoli's man, Iguain. Gonzalo Iguain's 15 16 season. So that was yes. like the magical season that they had with Maurizio Sari. <laughs> so that just great, great overall year for him. And I was looking at some of the clips and I was specifically really liked his goal against Verona in this 5 1 where he has mm-hmm. a hat trick. And it's just just little beautiful dink with his right foot. Love uh, that. Just beautiful from like right outside the box i believe so composed so composed and just looking really good i mean lazio will be in europe next year which is really and really exciting they've they finished fourth so i'm looking forward to seeing more of him but yeah. it's crazy that i mean it's not crazy it's just really impressive um he's been uh Lewandowski who's scored 34 goals mm-hmm. amazing and uh, Ronaldo at 31 in the same yeah. league. And of, and this might not be Messi's most productive season where he is at 25. So I mean, anytime you beat Messi, I'm sure you still feel pretty good about it. Um, but Glow, do you knock Immobile for all his PKs? Uh, not really. I don't think so. Because he, he scored, I think, 14 penalties. Like, it's still going to go in the back of the net. yeah that's how i feel too like people knock oh well he scored four you know same with ronaldo right they scored tons of pks no 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 no. at the end of the day you still got to put it in the back of the net just like you said and uh, like a goal is a goal it doesn't count less because it was a pk so yeah like a heck you know uh you see guys missing the ibra just missed a pk you know last game so it's not easy the it's menu, not easy. Yeah, the menu PK record was quite abysmal at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, <laughs> you was, definitely you have an advantage. You have a seventy percent chance, at least according to the math, that to make it. But you're still gonna make it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought we would have um, a moment for Immobile's golden shoe. And yeah, do you think uh, have you been able? Who else would you put as a contender? for who's had a really good season that you would like to have recognized? Well, I think, uh, I mean, you already mentioned him, but I just want to, to say again, Lewandowski. I mean, I, I really don't think there's a better number nine in football right now. And he, he gets it done year after year after year after year. And, uh, I remember, I think I've already said it on a previous podcast, but when he was asked about, you know, how come you haven't won a Ballon d'Or yet? And he says, it's, I'm Polish. You know, Poles don't win Ballon d'Ors. Mm, but is it? Is that's it what he that? said, yeah. No, no, but no, sorry. Any... No, no. Is it that he is Polish? Oh, okay. Well, I think he doesn't feel like he's super flashy because, you know, maybe maybe there's this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a topic for another day, but there's this unpacking of the exotic flair, if you will, of some of these nationalities. And I think he feels a little bit unrecognized because it's not as much talk about polish footballers as there would be let's say for example argentinians you know brazilians that sort of thing i mean according so. to the european big wigs um the bundesliga specifically um this was Lewandowski's year to win the ballon d'or and mm-hmm. okay, and france football like you know went and canceled this they canceled that's another interesting point in the last couple of weeks eh? yeah so i mean le- Ligue 1 was cancelled. They cancelled the Ballon d'Or. Oh, were you devastated? Were you looking forward to the hours and hours of the Ballon d'Or ceremony? 
<laughs> I've never actually seen it, but they do look good in those suits, don't they? Yeah, but you know, I also have Google. <laughs> I mean, it was just fascinating. I mean, the statement in itself that they made, you'd I think, I, I was like, it's not, they were just, it reeked, oh, like, smell of a group or an entity that took itself a little too seriously. And uh, for me, that was absolutely hilarious. I was like, no one, we don't care that much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't care that much. Because it, it was, yeah, it's a talking point for a day or two. But beyond that, it's just, I know. Eh. Who would you like to just shout out to? Anyone else remaining that uh, hasn't got the same accolades that they should this year? Um, so actually, my my shout would be to Obamayang, I would say, in the prime. Yeah, phenomenal. Hey? I think it's done. It's just because Arsenal is always in the news and has headlines for a lot of less savory things, like their defense, their backline generally. But I think it go, Obama and does tend to go slightly underappreciated, in my opinion, and with how mm-hmm. much he brings to the team. And it was good to see him uh, win an FA Cup this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mm-hmm. just seemed thoroughly like well-deserved. And uh, having him add another medal to show for his career. So that was just like a general feels good story. I mean, to that point, Martin, Martinez, uh, who was the goalie for Arsenal on Saturday, also mm-hmm. a wonderful story He's had there. a great month or a half or two months here. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So those stories, those are the kind of stories that warm my heart. But I feel like um, Obama, I mean, do you think he's staying? Uh, with this, with the cup win, I think so. Um, I think he does stay. I wouldn't be surprised if now he, you know, after winning some silverware, he feels like, okay, you know, I could probably sign a contract just just long enough to, to solidify some more years of service, but also maybe not too long that, hey, he could still, we see players playing well into their 30s. So you could yeah. see him get another move when he's 33. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at 31, I'm a bit hesitant to say that he will be staying but I'm not I can't think of better uh, clubs to move to that also Mm -hmm. have the resources and the need one in this particular economy given the virus and everything yeah yeah so I think he might stay in the same way that uh, Pogba will probably stay at United as in the next club up probably can't afford him or doesn't have a need so deep for him that they will be able to come up with the funds. This this is it. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I think that if it wasn't the pandemic, the era of this pandemic, you could see him move along. Um, they would have had to pay quite a bit, you know, last, last year remaining on his contract and whatnot. Yeah. Plus, he gets to work with the what I call the best eyebrows in the business with our <laughs> I'm sorry, Carlo, but call? like the best eyebrows in the business for sure. Oh my gosh. I want to awesome. know who does Arteta's eyebrows because like, <laughs> I mean, just uh, somebody send me that number. I would love to book an appointment. I have not heard this. I gotta, I gotta look him up right now. Oh my gosh. He has I the never best eyebrows. That, so that just, I think the, I mean, the next contender <laughs> is Carlo. Uh but like Ancelotti's eyebrows are like the problem I think they're slightly overgrown. Oh, that is funny. But these are like, you know, 
still taking care of them, just as the kids say, very on fleek, <laughs> the, on the money. I love it. You know what? They are pretty darn uh, tidy, aren't they? My gosh. Well pronounced. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm never going to look at our tenant again, Glow. Thanks for that. I love it. <laughs> You're very welcome. This is, uh, you know, it's the kind, this kind of like scathing criticism and in-depth review that our readers come to, our listeners come to us for. Love it. This is deep, yeah, deep analysis here. Along the similar lines, though, another story that's been catching my eye uh, in the football world is Marco Llorente's dog. Well, this is great. Yeah, it's delightful. So. My favorite thing about this is Marcos Llorente, like after this win in March, um, his two goals at Anfield, he got a dog for his mother in celebration and named the dog Anfield. And as a lover of all things petty, I was like, this is a story. We must add this to the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It was, it's just delightful. I mean... It, it's very much, it's been a while, so it does feel like it's been 800 years ago. But his two goals, really, when they knocked out the Champions League holders, Liverpool, out of the Champions League, really made him an athletic hero, and it just very much deserved. And uh, it was, it's kind of crazy, because of all the changes of where, like, the goals were going to come from, I would not have put my money on him because you, when you bring in a traditional holding midfielder in for Diego Costa, you're like, okay, I guess we're just... It seems it's very much a defensive move, but he was able to get him uh, two goals and partially due to an error from Adrian, but, you know, being mm-hmm. able to capitalize on it is... it's what That's why... They pay them the big bucks. So I really, when I found out that he got a dog and named it Anfield, I was like, I like that. It's so funny. So now I kind of want to get a pet and name it like Trafford or something, you know? Tra- <laughs> that's awesome. I like Carrington. I don't yes. know. I That's not a good reason to get a pet. Don't get a pet because of that. <laughs> but I really want to. Maybe I'll name one of my plants after that. And uh, of course, I mean, Europa League and Champions League is going to be starting up here pretty darn quick. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it, at least as we record this. Or by the time this comes out, the Champions League will be in two days. So really looking forward to all the games. Yeah, exactly. And uh, do you do you have um, do you have a favorite for the remaining teams left? I am not sure. I can't decide because, like, I think that there there could be an advantage for the teams that have just recently finished their season and have had mm-hmm. two to three weeks. And but then versus like the Bayerns, who I think, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen play, they seem to be the most convincing team in the tournament. But they've mm-hmm. had a longer rest, but maybe that actually serves them. So I'm torn between Bayern and City, but I would love an upset of any sorts, really. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's in my blood. Gosh, I, me too. Love an underdog story. Yeah, so that could be that could be really exciting on my end. But speaking of uh, football that's coming back, the Canadian Premier League is coming back. Yes, Glow, and uh, I'm excited to, to share with all the listeners um, – and I'm, I'm eager to know, too, I have to look into this, but I wonder if, if you can tune in in the States, Glow, uh, for the Canadian Premier League. I'm not sure. I would definitely investigate 
all the legal means to catch the Premier League. Nice, yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, um, of course, many many know that a lot of Canadian teams of all different sports participate in usually an American league. So of course, the MLS is an American league. We have three Canadian teams in that league. Similarly, with you know with baseball, with the with uh, the MLB, with NBA. So we tend to uh, except they can't have a play Canadian in Canada team. anymore. <laughs> Pardon me. Except they can't play in Canada anymore because the coronavirus I, situation in true, the US is absolutely bananas. I know, I know. So basically, uh, this is a pretty p- pivotal time in Canadian football. So we have uh, our second ever season of our of our own league. It's called the Canadian Premier League. So last year was quite a success. Uh, we have uh, the second longest distance between two teams in any professional sports league glow. I think uh, the Russian Premier League has the has the tops, like the distance between, I think it's Moscow and Vladivostok or something like that. Yes. But in Can- yeah. Good in Canada, the distance between... Sorry? I said good pronunciation. My, the Russian maker in <laughs> me is very pleased. Thank you. I went to school with the Russian fella, so he, he, he put me in line. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, between Halifax and Victoria, I mean, you have literally the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean represented. Um, so we have also Glow, a brand new team this year. It uh, only makes sense that our nation's capital, Ottawa, would have a club. But it's interesting that you're talking about Atletico Madrid because Atletico Madrid has purchased and founded uh, or taken over a club in Ottawa. Mm. So they're called Atletico Ottawa. And... Um, they are joining up for the first time this year. So we now have uh, eight teams in this league. It's not a big league, but uh, we are growing. And the speculation also about, for example, Olympic Lyon uh, joining and, and putting a team in, in Quebec. So we'll see what happens. But basically, the Canadian Premier League is doing a condensed tournament. They're calling it the Island Games. And it'll be taking place in it. our... Yeah, it's going to be in our smallest province. Uh, Prince Edward Island is a tiny Atlantic province in the east, and it's a little little island, and it's only the population is 156,000 people. So the 300 or so staff, players, uh, managers, they're all coming in to, uh, to PEI there, to Charlottetown, and they're going to be participating in like a 28-game group stage where every team plays each other once. The top four teams will advance into a second-round-robin group. Uh, after those six games are played, the two winners or the two uh, best uh, best records will play each other for a one-game final. It is a winner-take-all match. They'll be given the North Star Shield and also a CONCACAF League berth for 2021. Wow, that's exciting. Um, it is, yeah. One, when so, you say they're going to be called the Island Games, all I could think of is this like... Is this some sort of expansion show for Love Island? So that's not a good. <laughs> oh yeah, the Netflix doc- Netflix documentary will be coming out twenty twenty three. Yeah, everyone stay tuned. Yeah. Um, so who, who, what teams should people be watching out for? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, uh, are you an Atletico Madrid fan by chance, Cole? No. Not so much. No. Okay, fair enough. So I you know, mean, a lot of I'm loyal to one team and one team only. You know. Yes, I mean you. You are very much a true fan in that sense. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a potpourri, I guess you could say. I find a team to cheer for all around the world. So, you know, I'm from Victoria, so Pacific FC is my hometown club. Of course, I'll be cheering for them. Um, and 
it's interesting to follow this Atletico Madrid or sorry Atletico Ottawa story because um, in 2017 Atletico Madrid also took over a club in Mexico in the second division and in 2019 they got promoted to the top flight so they're in Liga MX now and for those of who who remember just quick shout out to Maradona of course uh, he was the coach of Dorados at that time did that and also end in shambles like most of his coaching attempts you know it didn't i would say it didn't at least Ooh. he he did a great job okay but i thought okay where's the bar though <laughs> <laughs> i mean well, yeah. he didn't get them promoted but he got them to successive promotion finals it's a great netflix series it's called maradona in mexico i mean how aptly named is that uh so if you want to look for a new show while you wait champions league to unfold binge watch Maradona in Mexico, but basically Atletico Madrid, they take over Atletico de San Luis, uh, 50%, I think, take over in 2017. They get them promoted to the top flight. So it's interesting, the linkage between Ottawa now and Madrid. They're going to be sending some of their youth players to Ottawa oh, to that's... get some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think what they're hoping is is for, of course, uh, just to further build their brand, build their, their name internationally, and who knows, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, of course. Davies got uh, the big move to Bayern. Jonathan David, a lot of speculation where he's going to land. I think your club's even in for him too, aren't they, Glow? I've heard some rumors at least. Yeah, very minor memories. I think uh, the Reds right now are trying to wrangle this Sancho deal over the line. Of course, that'll be the big one. giving yeah. me a minor heart attack. Just someone <laughs> just do this. <laughs> So for those of I mean, who, who need some football to watch, tune into the Canadian Premier League. It's exciting times for us. It's our second season. And uh, like I said, it's a growing league. We're hoping to see more expansion. And who knows uh, who might come out of this, um, maybe with a big move after this tournament. And we'll see who's uh, crowned the, the, the tournament winners in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I'm always excited to see the expansion of football. So we'll definitely be making time, maybe not for the entire tournament, but for a game here and there. That's awesome. Yeah, but we'll have we'll have to see who you who you take a take a shining to glow as far as a club to to watch and follow. That's true. Um, we'll see. We'll see. The, the, the fans. I might, like I'm very stingy with my loyalty to clubs <laughs> and my fandom. I was like, yeah, but first they have to earn it, you know. That's that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I I can respect that. So I mean, a lot of people. Everyone's second favorite team right now is Halifax. Uh, you know, a little bit of a smaller, smaller town, smaller market in the east coast of Canada there. They got a great group of supporters already. They got like, I think, I think the supporter section glow of the stadium is called the kitchen. I'm uh, not exactly sure why. Oh, but love, just... that. <laughs> love that. Love that. Okay. They have some fun things. Everyone says they're, they're the most fun away game to go see. Quite a, okay, quite a I would actually spot. be that. See, you should have led with that. Because now I'm so, I'm just like, they're called the kitchen. It's like, what other old things are happening? The only... I know. Uh, yeah, I've only been to the Southern Island part and Ottawa in terms of Canada. So mm-hmm. actually, I've been to somewhere else that I forget. Well, anyways, <laughs> we are a vast country, yeah. But uh, t- you know, it's, it's gonna be fun. So note. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who uh, who wins. And like I said, I'm I'm obviously open for Pacific FC here. But uh, at the end of the day, we just want to see it success. And of course, we wish everyone health. I think the players all could have opted out, but no one has opted out yet. So we'll see what happens. You know what? Do, do you think the Halifax fan would take to chanting something along the lines, if you can't take the heat, don't come to the kitchen? 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure they have some great songs. Oh my god, I'm fascinated now. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you some links. Uh, for sure. All right, let's take a quick break and be back with some sideline asides. Welcome back to Sideline Asides. This is a section on our show where we indulge in the more ridiculous aspects of football, the fun questions, and generally nonsense, and we love it. Um, so today, Dan, I think Dan and I want to talk about food, uh, one, because I'm always snacking or thinking about snacking, um, <laughs> but foods at football matches, foods to eat while you sit on your couch to con- watch football matches do you have strong feelings this is quite a divisive topic in my friend group <laughs> well i am in the pacific standard time zone here glow so most footy of course is taking place in the early morning hours so it's a cup of coffee with some breakfast uh but um you know i do like i do like a good breakfast uh maybe have some mates over watch the match enjoy a good uh a good fry up as they say or something along those lines that's that's tends to be the the pattern over here in my time zone how about yours um so what kind of breakfast is that the meats because that well, sounds like a suspicious thing you get on pizza <laughs> I was like we have the meats like what's the meats though <laughs> no no so um well for example i had all my my soccer team that i play on here in our local league, I had them all over on a bye week uh, watching matches in the early morning for EPL. And we had breakfast casserole, fruit salad, you know, coffee, uh, hash browns, all that kind of stuff. So nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary, but, uh, but it was, it was great just getting together, having some breakfast. That sounds absolutely lovely and very wholesome. Do you make this breakfast? I did this particular time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll have to have you over next time, Glow. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, the only way to truly, one of the guaranteed ways to get me to do anything is tell me there will be food. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And I was like, is there going to be food? (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm there. (laughs) That was my same logic, too. I I knew they probably wouldn't show up at 8 a.m. I mean, I'm already up because I have kids, but most of them don't have kids. So I said that I'll I'll cook them all breakfast, and they they showed up in droves. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just... It's a, it's a trick as all this time, and it works every time, and we're I, very pleased. Yeah. I should note, though, some of the supporters' pubs, you know, in the Vancouver area, for example, have been known to serve you beers if you want it. You know, your 6 a.m. kickoff. Hey, there's beer for you if you want it. I mean, heck, some of these supporters have been up since the night before, so um, they're keep just the getting started. the party going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about yourself, though? I mean, it, it's not much uh, ahead of me, three hours ahead of me. So what's what's a typical, you know, Saturday morning in your household? Yeah, so there's uh, perhaps like two good answers to this. Um, if I'm watching by myself, I am a zombie on my couch. <laughs> I'm not the biggest breakfast person. So I'm along the same lines where it's generally a cup of coffee and if you're feeling adventurous, maybe a smoothie. But if I'm at a friend's house or I am having people over, that's when the food comes out. And if we're like for the like 1230 or 11 kickoff, we can sometimes have been adventurous and done like some mimosas and I truly brunch. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yeah. So it's absolutely delightful. And um yeah usually good breakfast um i don't have too many breakfast options because i don't eat eggs so it really limits what people can feed me or what Mm -hmm. i can feed them but generally yeah yeah, good waffles good lemon ricotta pancakes nice 
love good lemon. Make a recipe book here. Yeah, good lemon ricotta pancakes. Oh yeah, I cooking is the best. Oh, I want to make this squash au vin this week. Delightful. Oh, you'll have to send me pictures now, Glow. I should. We should. I mean, we're both MLS fans, though. So when you're watching DC United, of course, different time of the day. So what do you what do you eat and drinking yeah. when you're when you're watching DC United? So my old apartment was eight minutes from the stadium walking, so I went oh, there fantastic. a little too much. Um, but there were definitely sending it beer and fries. I love fries. It's the only <laughs> form of potatoes that I generally endorse because yes. It's that thing where you have a meal when to match when you're younger. So when I was growing yes. up, I had like way too many potatoes. I'm just now I'm like, no, nah, I get it. The famine is over. Like you know, let's, move, let's awesome. eat something else. But I generally, I love a good good fries. No hot dogs, unfortunately. That American stereotype, I do not subscribe to. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, I mean, not too far from you. I mean, the Whitecap Stadium, BC Place here, is right across the street from Costco. And most supporters <gasps> will exactly. So most supporters will quickly like pregame fill with whatever it is, you know, a, a two dollar hot dog and you know three dollar fries or whatever, just to kind of like tide them over for halftime, because uh, of course it's so expensive in the stadium. But uh, that's a pretty common theme around here. Or if you're lucky, you'll maybe have a poutine. Um, that's always a lot of fun, of course. Yeah, poutine. What's up with that? Don't get it. It. Oh, it's a Canadian yeah. classic, low. I don't get our, it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> explain well, I'm half, yourselves. I'm, Canada gets so many things right, but please explain yourselves. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, it comes from our, our, our Quebec uh, contingent. You know, I am half French-Canadian. I mean, they do it so well over there. The, the, the traditional cheese curds and the gravy and the French fries. I mean, it's horribly unhealthy for you. But, uh, I mean, you can get all sorts of varieties up here. Of course, all the hipster bistros and whatnot. They got their duck confit, poutine, you know, all these different. Uh, yes, do love good duck. Of course, right? They have all the different flavors you want if you want it. But uh, I do love just a good classic. You know, I can't have it all the time, but you know, there is a time and a place for it for sure. Okay, well, before this devolves into a complete food review show, <laughs> so I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, Dan, wonderful having you on again. Um, Likewise, thank you. Yeah, uh, please do follow us on social media. We're at Football Asides. If you have feedback, questions, do email us. We're at asides.football at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone.